Off the ball. If it was me, you'd absolutely love to be 17 up as opposed to being 17 points down. There's no upside to being 17 nil down at that stage, you know? It's a shocking start. Subscribe to the rugby stream on the OTB Sports app now. The news round on Off the Ball with Gillette Labs. Get the ultimate shave with your money back. Neon Night Edition, available now. All right, you're welcome along to Thursday's Off the Ball. Nathan with you until 10 o'clock. Busy show ahead. Brian O'Driscoll on the way after 8 o'clock in studio, uh, reflecting on Munster's victory in the URC final. And uh, we'll also be getting his thoughts on the Ireland training squad and on Mac Hansen's tattoo of Andy Farrell. All that on the way after 8 o'clock. Uh, between now and then, we've got the news round, and we're also going to hear from Shamrock Rovers' manager. I was out at Rovers' training ground early this morning to talk with Stephen Bradley, who obviously has uh, been through a hell of a lot this week, uh, him and his family, after the shocking abuse he received uh, down in Cork last Friday night. So we'll talk about the response um, and the support he's had from the footballing community and also talk about the season so far. Rovers beaten in their last two league matches and also about some of those players who thought they might be around the fringe of the Ireland squad, but not included in Stephen Kenny's squad which was announced today we'll talk about that on the football show and John Giles coming a little bit later than usual wanted to give him more time because he has his team of the season ready to go on the football show from 9 o'clock 53106 is the text number Richie McCormick good evening how are you lads you well I'm alright Arthur O.D Arthur O.D that's a good one yeah, see what oh, it did there one's too late with that that yeah, could have been yeah, a thing a that can bit. be your new crappy quiz I'll pass that on I'm, uh, I'm penciled in for a return Oh yeah But you'll be hosting presumably No I've, I've Refused to host <laughs> Hosting is no fun <laughs> All you do is get abuse Mick is going to host it Mick's writing it oh, Who's well, producing it We're going to have to come up with something <laughs> What a how many, shambles How many people does it take That's a big to operation this quiz <laughs> together So that I can't just be a contestant It's a big operation Standards have been Seems lowered farty, considerably uh, Over recent weeks Though you did very well last week That's hard Did you get a victory? Of course I did yeah, it was very, very. I, I, you have a very different style to the quiz than uh, anybody else I know. You just, if if you don't know, it's like I'm not taking part in this round. Well, they're just Boy, silly. They're not there's wasting my energy. S- yeah, they're silly, silly ones. But like a bit referees, it never. Just, but, uh, sorry, I was um, as you producer of Thursday night. I was shocked. So one of the questions last week, Richie, was name a referee of a football or hurling final, and we had Fergal Horgan on it what was, it, a month ago, who you booked, yeah, yeah, to well, get us on yeah. this. On a Thursday night, and you couldn't even come up with his name. No, they just comes in and out of my mind. They pass through. I've no interest whatsoever. There's only there's only so much room up there. You and know what it, I mean? The man's an author. He can't be. You know, he's been publishing the the New York Times. No, 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 I haven't. He can't be coming up with <laughs> broken <laughs> stuff like this. That's why you're so good. You just let that stuff go, whereas the rest of us are keeping it all in. Yeah, you just you look for the critical rounds. You know, there's a point to be got there. There's two points to be got in the numbers one. Okay, so you're strategic your effort. Right. Strategic. Is the quiz back tomorrow night? Uh, yeah, if Mick's written it. <laughs> <laughs> That's how it goes. Live production here and <laughs> off the ball. Uh, 53106 is the text number if you want to get in touch. The news round is in association with Gillette Labs. Get the ultimate shave or your money back. Neon Night Edition available now. Uh, this Mac Hansen tattoo, is this a real thing? Is this a permanent tattoo? Yeah. Looks like it. Is of that, Andy Farrell. Yeah. yeah. His coach. Yeah. Somebody pointed out. Do you out see very the tattoo I have of you? Or? 
<laughs> well, the way you were uh, bending over there, Richie, not really, to be quite honest with you. Uh, as somebody responded to uh, the first post we put up on Twitter with the conversation with Brian O'Driscoll, uh, it's not going to be so funny in a year's time when Andy Farrell is the England coach and Ireland's winger has a tattoo of the England coach on his backside, or just south of his backside. It's still pretty funny. He has another <laughs> tattoo of a former teammate of his from Connacht. Like, this guy's got to stop making bets that involve tattoos. I saw that one as well, looking around for the picture of the other one. And um, I, th- th- I'll be kind and say they look, it just there's a there's a certain amateurism to them. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's even more impressive. It's not like there's even going towards Fair immense now, time. That's potentially libelous if, you know, someone well, uh, yeah. not mention ever who, who did this. No, I just, I just looked at them and was like, oh, I would have probably put more time into that. It's not saying it's necessarily, you know, uh, the t- anyway, we, we, yeah, I, I, it just there are This quite has to be a first. That a player, is it not a bit awkward now for Andy Farrell? You know, if Mac Hansen was to somehow have a terrible loss of form, which is never going to happen between now and the World Cup, but post-World <laughs> Cup, he's like, oh, i got to drop you. I'm actually, but I literally have, like, every time I look in the mirror, your face is looking back at me. Oh, it's on the back of his leg, isn't it? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I think it'll be fine. It's funny. It's light. What was the bet? I have no idea. Okay. I'm sorry. <laughs> Should have asked me beforehand. <laughs> if, if you win a Grand Slam and get to the knockout phase of the URC, you have to get a tattoo of Andy Farrell. Wow. Uh, yeah. Brian O'Driscoll doesn't have one of Joe Schmidt. What would you have to do to get Kevin McStay tattooed on you? Or, or, <clears throat> I, I know where you're going to try and go with this. What? <laughs> no, let me, no, but it's seriously. It's, it's not what I would have to do, it's what he would have to do. Yeah. Well, what would, what would I'm have not to making a commitment that if uh, Mayo win the All Ireland, that I'm going to get. Uh, Kevin McStay tattooing me ass. Roger. <laughs> Stephen Roger. No one, no one, no one, no one said no your glutes. No one said your glutes. Yeah. <laughs> I think the least you could do for him. Yeah. The least. Yeah. Well, it's worth thinking about. I think I'll, I'll consider this uh, over the next little while. Absolutely. Ab- absolutely. Uh, Richie, where are you going to start the news round? Uh, we'll start out in Abbottstown. Stephen Kenny confirmed a 25-man squad for this month's Euro 2024 qualifiers with Greece and Gibraltar today. Chidozio Bene is among the notable absentees. That's due to a hamstring injury. He joins Seamus Coleman and Andrew Omabamadeli in being ruled out of both fixtures. There is room for uncapped Peterborough midfielder Jack Taylor and Aberdeen's Liam Scales. Ryan Manning misses out for personal reasons, according to Kenny, who was pressed about his goalkeepers today. I wonder by whom. Gavin Bazunu fell out of favour as Southampton slid towards relegation. Mark Travers was used sparingly born with this season and Quivian Callagher amassed only four Liverpool appearances across all competitions Kenny believes the Corkman will seek a solution to that lack of game time this summer Yeah I would fully expect that you know I, I think uh, you know it's not I think it's not right normally that you speak about a player moving but he's at the stage where you know he's behind probably the best one of the best goalkeepers in the world and it's not going to get any easier you know and I think uh, and you can't improve not playing you know and uh, so he knows that and he's known that for a while and uh, it's not that easy you know (laughs) there is a a process you go through with a club like that and I think it wouldn't be a surprise for him to to move in the summer and he knows that I think he's he's ready to go and play regularly because he needs to and he uh, you know I think the previous season was the great successful winning the Carlin Cup playing in the cup competitions a lot of matches they were knocked out early this year and they can't not so much football from and um, and you know he needs it you know he needs it it's just great questioning to get such an answer from the Ireland manager I'd say Richie 
Don't yeah, yeah, you could say that. Fair uh, play to Gav Cooney for that one. Oof, wow. <laughs> um, so, Cuevin Kelleher, uh, this has become a story instantly because Cuevin Kelleher is playing for Liverpool, so anytime anyone talks about any Liverpool player and transfer news, uh, it follows on from Klopp's comments a couple of weeks ago that you know would take a massive offer for them to consider it. But Cuevin Kelleher is 24 now. Yeah. He has to be considering this. You know, Stephen Kenny there, you can't improve when you're not playing. Uh, it's quite damning in many ways. And Cuevin Keller this season hasn't played. He's not going to play next season unless Allison is injured or unless he has a complete collapse in form, which seems highly unlikely. So like now is the time for him to go. As much as I'm sure he enjoys being a Liverpool player and those opportunities <clears> you get, like they're big opportunities. They're playing at Anfield. They're good nights. But for his own career, never mind about Ireland, just for him to actually flourish as a goalkeeper, he's got to get out of there. Yeah, I think so. I, I, I'm surprised... Not surprised he's even held on this long, but like you look at how many more games Bazunu has, even full seasons. When you look, it's just so crazy looking at Keller's stats when you're there, just <laughs> such a smattering of games. And I was looking, it always kind of reminds me because you, I suppose Liverpool sort of are where, say, Man United were to a degree before, and you kind of look at all those keepers in oh between, Lord. like where Van der Sar and, and these backup keepers who were there that weren't able to get in the team, goalkeepers coming and going and I think this is around the same age that Ben Foster left, and he obviously had his famous things with League Cup Finals as mm-hmm. well and um, you just look then and like, geez, he went on to have an amazing Premier League career, now he was never ultimately, the career he had would never have been good enough for Man United, and that probably is the fact with Kelleher as well, he's realistically if they have, they happen to have the best goalkeeper in the world there, mm. he's not that like he, who knows what he becomes but he's not that not now so you kind of have to like it, it does require a big step though because you are I suppose stepping out of something very comfortable to step into the unknown to a degree but that's a good point he is the backup keeper at Liverpool and if Real Madrid were to come in this summer and offer Liverpool 100 million for Alisson does that mean Cueven mm-hmm. Kelleher is number one probably not no I don't think so, so. he's at an age now where Alisson moved to Liverpool at a similar age so I don't know if that would be a factor in his head because like goalkeepers, I guess 40 is usually the target. I mean, that's the that's become the standard for a decent level goalkeeper to continue on until. So feasibly, if he keeps himself fit and avoids you know very severe misfortune, he's got another 16 years of his career left to go. But he is at a point now where he does need to start amassing games because I think the last couple of appearances that he's had, be it both for Liverpool mm. and for Ireland, showed that there's a lack of match sharpness there. And if you have that lack of match sharpness, it only kind of snowballs and you need to build up a, a backlog of games similar to what Bazuna has done, regardless of how his form has been. And I think personally he was hampered by a really poor defence. Um, but I think he does need to go and get game time. The, the, the worst part about it is, is these quotes now put him in a really awkward position where it looks <laughs> yeah. like he's been it looks like he's been blabbing that he he's go, probably going to He goes back away. to Liverpool he's like no I'm really yeah. happy here really happy don't do you know, like, stop having sit in the bench and he comes over to Ireland for a week and he's team can't get yeah. now there as soon as possible <laughs> it, like, it do, like, I'm sure like, I'm not like these, these conversations are already going on and that's probably one of York Schmack's you know first orders of business is to find a satisfactory next chapter for Cuevin Kelleher whether it's you know, making them content with a bunch of Europa League appearances next season or whether it's moving them on or including a buyback clause or wherever it is. Um, but whatever happens next, he does need to play more than four games a season because you're only going to start rolling backwards from this point on in his, uh, his trajectory. Uh, so the big story actually from the squad was that Shadozi Ogbene is injured, is going to miss out. Massive blow, started the game against France, was 
really good in that game. He's out of contract with Rotherham, so it's going to be fascinating to see uh, where he ends up over the course of the summer. So himself and Coleman are the two players who started. Everybody else is available. There were calls for Tom Cannon. They had this training camp last week in Bristol. Cannon had tonsillitis, so he missed out on that. So Kenny said didn't really have a chance to get to know him, to get to see him, so we'll stick with the 21s and we can keep an eye on him. Uh, Ryan Manning, Kenny was insistent, wasn't a personal issue between the two of them. It was a personal mm. issue for Ryan Manning and that when he's uh, ready to come back, that they'll talk then and that there's no blockage, so it doesn't feel as though there's any controversy. Uh, reading between the lines, so they're heading to Turkey on Monday for a nine-day training camp before they head over then to Greece for the internationals, which... It's obviously over a month on from the end of the championship season. A lot of these players are carrying a lot of niggles or haven't played a lot of football. So, you know, Daryl Shea had a knock towards the end of the season. He mentioned something about Jason Malumbi and needing an injection at the end of the season to sort of get him through these next few weeks. Yeah. Even Evan Ferguson, which I did push him on when he mentioned Evan Ferguson and an ankle injury, he said, no, he'll be fine. But these are going to be a nervous couple of weeks now looking at a squad without Seamus Coleman that again you go whew there's not a lot of Premier League quality which we know but every time you look at the squad you're kind of reminded of it he can't afford to lose too many more players between now and Athens for a game that I think we all feel is the decisive one that mm. is a must not lose game for Kenny that fair enough? Yeah <laughs> I think that's that's absolutely fair <laughs> I think that's fair of any Ireland squad that we can't really you know we can't risk many more injuries and I think when you, particularly when you trawl through that defensive list um, it's thin like in, in terms of top level experience and players that you can rely on at that kind of level like it is very very um, it's very threadbare um, and like Anthony Moore from there and you'd, and you'd really sincerely worry um, and for our only goal scoring threat it needs to be wrapped in cotton wool and, and you know uh, for the next few days and, and keep our fingers crossed when I saw him playing and, and named in that starting 11 for Brighton on the last day of the season I was like oh Christ here we go this has the bang of <laughs> well, no, he's, Ferguson he's never played it was not. the first time he's ever played a full 90 minutes in the Premier League like oh this yeah. is the last thing we need this is, this is the yeah, last exactly. thing we need right now uh, it that's, wasn't that's, actually that's a bet it wasn't actually a bet <laughs> according to Connor on YouTube he just said it in passing and Bundy kept on to him Jim Hamilton has to get a tattoo of Max's name because of a bet on the rugby pod right now every single radio show wants to get Mac Hansen on to see can they get him to commit to something if Ireland win the World Cup. I get He's very, after. very easily led, isn't he? <laughs> don't know that. <laughs> I don't know. That, that really, means well, just loves Andy Barrow. Then. That means they're easily coached. You yes. can tell him, Anthony, be like, okay, yes, boss. And you're like, brilliant. Maybe I know he'll it. execute what I want him to do. Uh, Munster hurling final ticket fiasco! Exclamation yeah. point. Still looking for two tickets, son and I, as Stephen Ryan. Come on, Arthur, you've got all the connections. Have you two tickets <clears> for Stephen? No, I've no tickets for myself. You don't even bother with Munster anymore. All <laughs> Ireland's are <laughs> no, no, nothing. No, no. You've been uh, so what's the ticket fiasco? They were on t- sale in Ticketmaster. I don't think it's any fiasco. I think it's just the demand. The allocation that was there this morning. I think it was gone in something like six or seven minutes or so. Um, and that's understandable and then the frustration I guess is that they went on general sale in Ticketmaster so did enough of them go back to the clubs did the hardcore supporters get their opportunity to buy them there are season I assume there are season Ah, tickets for hurling as well as football I presume so make that commitment at the start of the year it's not like it's not I don't I could be correct Owen correction on this but I don't all the tickets don't go on Ticketmaster it's only like a portion of it it's not like a just a, a blind bid for whoever gets there quickest but like it's just the reality of it in terms of 
like you could feasibly you could put that match I wonder how much of Crow Park you would fill I'm not saying you wouldn't come close to filling all of it but you would fill a good portion of it size wise and how much is what is Porky Cueve out of it like do you know what attendance of that is of the interest I would have thought Semple was the biggest of the three but the, is there much of a difference between Porky Cueve and the Gaelic Grounds I don't think there's much difference between Limerick no, I don't think so. I don't think so. Like it's all much for muchness. I don't think it's in, it's not an it's I don't think it's an amount that would alleviate that burden uh, on people kind of looking for tickets. But like at the end of the day, like it's upsetting for people who won't be able to go. But it's still a good thing. You want to say like like you really don't have to go that far back when you're looking, and it's something I was looking at before. Obviously, when you go back ten years ago, even there was a not. A fairly evident sense of apathy around a lot of these games. Maybe not a Munster final per se, but you definitely had games between Limerick and Clare, and I don't have the exact date to mm. hand where you go back, and it's just over. It's just into double figures, the attendance between like at games like that. And it's not because they're in Ennis. It's just over double figures for like a game in Thurles between Limerick and Clare in the Munster. Like these, right. this is a this is this isn't what's happening now, and obviously that's shown by the fact that the numbers. And attendance has gone way. It's, I think it's a record year for it. Um, that's not a given, and it's not a kind of. It's not something that's always been the case. There, like it, it is coming from a low. So overall, it's it's upsetting for people, but I don't. Yeah, even listen. If about uh, it. Stephen, uh, I'm sure, and his son are desperate to go, and if you're one of the individuals who's desperate to go and you can't get a ticket, is very frustrating and very upsetting. We do seem to spend an awful lot of our time <laughs> when it comes to the GEA either very frustrated the games are in stadiums that are way too big and there's no atmosphere at all yeah. or why the hell can't I get a ticket for this one let's move it to a bigger stadium whereas a packed house the sun is going to be shining Sunday week it'll still be beautiful it'll be proper Munster Hurling final and if you have amazing ticket, and the last game last weekend the, the Limerick Cork one at Limerick um, I don't know how many people I was talking to that just commented on how good it looked like obviously the sound as well the sound you take that is given but how good it looked on TV Um it was serious and that's only going to get better the next day again Jimmy and Limerick says clubs in counties haven't got their tickets yet so no fiasco as of yet (laughs) but let's keep next Tuesday half seven free for a potential fiasco let's get some county board officials on a couple of thousand terrace tickets was all that went on sale this morning so uh, if you're a member of a club in Limerick or Clare you should have a decent chance still to get yourself some tickets Uh, test cricket with Ireland involved going on at Lords at the moment Richie yeah, and it's been a tough day, to be fair, for the visitors. England ended the first day of the one-off test with Ireland at Lords, just 20 runs shy of the visitors' first innings total. Stuart Broad took five wickets as Ireland were bowled for just 172. Two of those saw Harry Tector and Captain Andy Balberni go for ducks. At Stumps, England had reached 152 for one. Just a bit of context, Ireland still in the single figures in the number of test matches that they have played, even after this one, and England preparing for the Ashes later this summer. So uh, on two very ends, different ends of the the spectrum in terms of uh, preparation and readiness for this. So we're going to bring in John Giles on the football show at nine o'clock and <coughs> we're looking back on Leeds relegation, obviously his team of the season, uh, talking about his own appearances in FA Cup final, 60 years since he won it, Yeah, Seven, uh, 50 years since he was beaten in the final by Sunderland in one of the shocks of the 70s, uh, so that's coming up. But at half past seven, we're going to hear from Stephen Bradley, uh, the Shamrock Rovers manager. I was out at Roadstone um, where they have their training ground this morning, so uh, this is the first time he's spoken publicly since uh, last Friday night. 
night and the, and I think, quite shocking abuse. It's hard to find the words to describe uh, what was said to Stephen Bradley by, down in Cork last Friday night, uh, Richie. But there is an update from Cork as well. Yeah, Cork saying today they've handed lifetime bans to two supporters following their abuse of Shamrock Rovers manager Stephen Bradley. Both individuals have admitted their involvement and have since apologised. The abuse followed on, well, focused on, pardon me, Bradley's son's battle with leukaemia. And the Rovers boss was asked by yourself if it made him question his involvement in the game. This uh, country is is uh, support um, by by passionate football people. Um, they're passionate about their club. Uh, they want their club to win and beat us, obviously. And that's that's brilliant. That's what sports about. Um, but they've never crossed the line ever. I've never heard it in this country. And uh, Friday was the first time. Uh, it doesn't make you think about what I'm doing and and make you think is a worth doing it um, because. Uh, a young kid shouldn't be brought into it like this um, yeah it does make you think that um, but I'm lucky that I have brilliant people around me and strong people and um, you can't let people like them uh, feel they can win and feel that they have won so um, no look I, I look forward to the next game and like I said the, the, the amount of fans from other clubs all around the country that have reached out in support has been incredible so thank you Impossible to imagine uh, what Stephen Bradley has firstly gone through over the past year but what he had to go through last Friday night on the way back from Cork having had to listen to that and think about going home and talking to his son Josh about what had happened because listen, he's a nine-year-old kid kids are well aware of what goes on in the world he could have chosen to obviously try and ignore it and hope that he never finds out but uh, you know I think he he had to go home and inform the family and it just it's beyond words uh, what happened it's way beyond football and I think Cork City handing out a lifetime ban is just the start of it. Like there needs to be more than that because like this is just not in any way acceptable. Not in football sport, like in society. This it's I've never heard of anything like this. As anything as despicable as this being said after a football match. It's absolutely outrageous. So uh, you know, Stephen K- uh, Stephen Bradley, I think uh, an absolute credit uh, yet again in the way that he's handled this. Yeah. It- yeah, like you, you used the words unimaginable. I, I can't. I, it is completely unimaginable. I, I don't have. A, I don't know. Um, it must be. And you know, it's kind of. I was thinking about it from his perspective. Like, and it's. It's so. It's so difficult because I suppose even like just the way that the club. Kind of showed everyone. Kind of showed such kind of warmth towards, what is a horrific situation and. With obviously, with the, when they won the title last year and everything, there was such a positive kind of thing around. What is a story that's like it? All those nice positive gestures, obviously, mm. still they don't eradicate the difficulty that's there. But to have something like that's just like it's. I don't know. I don't know what you, you kind of you don't know what those kind of people are thinking or what's what's the motivation there. What's the as you're kind of talking about sort of like education or something. But what? What are they trying to do? What's the yeah? I don't know. It's just baffling. It's just brainless. Mm. Yeah, yeah. It's brainless. Yeah, there's a degree of Yeah, yeah. And I think in a way, um, you know, I think people do have sympathy with Cork City and those involved with Cork City that they are dragged into this because like these are not That's supporters of football. These are way, way beneath that. So for Cork to have to come out and 
somehow stand over this. Um, look, they've taken their action. I think the response from Cork, as Stephen Bradley said, has been uh, exceptional. I saw today that one of their podcasts down there raised over ten grand. Wow! Uh, okay. Very quickly because I think people just wanted to show down in Cork, like this is not us. This is not us in any way. So uh, mm. listen, we're going to have Stephen Bradley uh, in full uh, talking about that and uh, plenty more besides on the way from half past seven. Uh, Jose Mourinho. Uh, the video's yeah. everywhere, hanging around, waiting for Anthony Taylor on his phone. Spends a lot of time on his phone. What's he doing on his phone? Is he on Twitter checking what the reaction is? Is he is he texting people to see what time the bus is going? What's happening there? I don't know. I don't know if he was checking to see if he was live streaming on Twitch, uh, judging by him, because that's probably the next step he would have taken. Uh, but UEFA are going to wait for the match officials' report from last night's Europa League final before deciding upon action against Jose Mourinho. The Roma head coach waited for referee Anthony Taylor in the Pushkash Arena's car park before verbally abusing the Englishman in multiple languages as well, it must be said. Mourinho had seen his side beaten on penalties by Sevilla after a rather tetchy affair in Budapest. Tetchy and terrible. Yeah, I didn't know you tuned in for the penalties. Yeah. <laughs> I was away for it the was, rest of the night. Yeah, I was just honestly. saying to Dale this this morning, like, I've never seen, <clears throat> think of any extra time you've seen the match. Like how many minutes of injury time do you see added on? Like one, two? I think we reached nine minutes of added time in the second period of extra time last night. It was just, it, it turned from a really intriguing match full of needle and a uh, lot of incident into just this really ugly spectacle and it kind of culminated then afterwards with Mourinho who's turned into like you know, just with bands like ABBA have like ABBA-esque and Bjorn again as their own tribute acts it's like Josie's now touring the world as his own tribute act playing like worse versions of his own songs and yeah kind of doing it for, for bigger and bigger fees and it's just really unedifying and, and not good and oh, you're particularly yeah. better let's be honest Richie because there's <clears> nothing <throat> worse as a sports reader than a game going to extra time and penalties <laughs> that is terrible I don't, I don't mind that it is terrible. I don't mind it I don't mind it it's, it's the fact that it stretched past 11 so it's like, <laughs> it was like I was looking at the time it's usually like 10s and cut off pointers like alright grand I'll get in there uh, if it goes to extra time you're like fine when it went on your like kind of thing penalties should be done by the next hour then no they stretched it into another so just like just like this is a bit of housekeeping nathan i will be seeking time in lieu fair enough uh, for last night you know uh because god and i'm blaming Mourinho fully for that whatever about the anthony taylor abuse uh me having to work an extra hour and a half not on a uh, lot, lot of speculation about karen benzema's future and his next destination yeah. He was picking up an award today and refused to confirm that he's leaving Real Madrid after Sunday's final game of the season against Athletic Club. Multiple reports claim the 35-year-old has turned down the offer of a contract extension at the Bernabeu, instead agreeing to join Al-Itihad in Saudi Arabia. Benzema is Real's second top scorer of all time behind only Cristiano Ronaldo. While Paris Saint-Germain manager Christophe Galtier did confirm today that Lionel Messi will leave the club at the end of this season. The World Cup winner's final game for PSG will be away to Clermont on Saturday. Al-Idiad, another potential destination for him. Barcelona also in the running to re-sign their former skipper. A distinct possibility of both Messi and Benzema both plying their trade in Saudi Arabia. It's becoming a bit of the norm nowadays, uh, Stephen and YouTube. And it's not quite the norm if it's just Ronaldo, Benzema and Messi, though maybe the three most famous footballers <clears throat> in the world right now. But this is how it works. That like You just have to love look at what Saudi Arabia has done with golf and live. We're a year into this and the conversation has really moved past Saudi Arabian and moral involvement to just a pettiness around the future of golf. And now it'll be for the next six months about the Ryder Cup and should Brooks Kepka be allowed to play in the Ryder Cup for the American team. And little, I would say, from a position where at the start, maybe 75% of the talk was about morally, is this right? To 5% at most now, 
talking about it's, that. It's, it's, it's a public irrelevance, though, to live golf stuff at this stage. Nobody really, like the wider populace wouldn't, mm. wouldn't pay attention to it. And the, 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 the major players' names only pop into the wider consciousness when they do actually pop up in the majors. So it hasn't worked from that perspective, and nor will this, because you're getting 18 months, two years out of these lads' tops before they ride off into the sunset on their gilded horses um like it, you're just kind of wondering to what end does this all happen and, and why does it exist for such short term not even gain it's just flashing your cash for no reason uh, while richie may hate the overtime the penalties bring he lives for the first couple of rounds of oh, yeah. every tennis grand oh, yeah. slam this is, is yep. where he shines richie Go on, take it away. Right. There's actually loads of political stories around Roland Garros this week, aside from the tennis. But the women's second seed, Irina Sabalenka, refused last night to criticise the involvement of her native Belarus in the war in Ukraine. Following her win over Irina Shimanovic, Sabalenka was questioned on her prior support of Belarus President Alexander Lukashenko. Marta Kostyuk refused to shake Sabalenka's hand after her first round defeat. And last night, Sabalenka offered no comment to a Ukrainian journalist's line of questioning, passing up a chance to criticise that war in Ukraine. Out on court, women's top seed and defending champion Iga Svantec is safely into the third round of the French Open. She beat Claire Liu in straight sets today and will face Xin Wang of China next. There are also wins today for fourth seed Elena Rabakina, sixth seed Coco Goff and the seventh seed Ange Jabeur. Men's fourth seed Kasper Ruud needed four sets to beat Giulio Zeppieri but the men's eighth seed Yannick Sinner is out beaten in five by the world number 79 Daniel Altmar. Into round three today went Francis Tiafo, Borna Koric and Grigor Dimitrov. Flawless Richie. Gracias, senor. All right, that is us done for the news round. Great stuff as always, Richie. Nice. We should mention Shane Larry just a shot off the lead. Uh, I'll get your golf plug in there at the Memorial. So three under round is 69 for him today. Matt Wallace, uh, the clubhouse leader at Muirfield Village on four under. Seamus Perrin, not too badly off too. He's two under. If you want more golf, well, I'll tell you where you can go. Golf Weekly. Oh, God. OTB Sports forward slash golf weekly. Right now. Arthur, thank you. No problem, Nathan. Uh, so the plan for the evening is Stephen Bradley coming up in just a few minutes. After 8 o'clock, Brian O'Driscoll in studio and then John Giles on the week's football on the football show from 9. Right now, though, time for the cash machine. Your chance to win big. News Talk's cash machine. So it's easy to take part in the cash machine. Every day we give you a new amount, you take note of it, enter, and at three o'clock if we call you and you give us the amount, you win that cash. The cash machine has been reloaded. The amount you need to know is 31,118 euro and 27 cent. Text play to 57557, that's 57557. Get your entry in by three o'clock tomorrow, then across the Go Loud network of stations, Barry Dunn will make the call. If your phone rings, answer within five rings, tell him that exact amount in euro and cent. It is 31,118 euro, 27 cent, over 18s only, text cost 250. You're playing across the Go Loud network of stations. Terms and conditions on Newstalk.com.